covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman here as always alongside my co-host Jim Bernier. As we're going to dive right in here with any of the crazy action from week seven, we got some more news and rumors this week too, uh, that really were either shocking or ones that we just have to discuss and kind of debunk a bit. And, you know, we're going to get to week eight and we have a special guest for the show, but let's kick things off here. Jim, good to have you in with me as always, always look forward to these shows with you. Of course, week seven was a tale of two completely different contests in terms of at least style, at least of uh, feel, at least play. Uh, when you have a game, when it comes to say the flight visiting Orlando, that is a defensive slugfest that ends with the winning team only scoring 32. I would even question if you look at that and think it's an arena game, but that's the case and how that one ended. Meanwhile, you know, Jacksonville and, you know, Carolina, that was a tale of two halves. So let's just dive into this here. Uh, first off, get your impressions on the predators and flight or really the flight and predators. If you're saying it correctly, defensive slugfest. Didn't see that one coming, I think. Didn't see that one coming at all. I would have thought that Warren Smith Jr. was going to have a, not really a field day, but more of a, like a more experienced quarterback. Like over the last couple of weeks, he's been accurate. He's been throwing touchdowns. And got to give props to the the inside of the walls, week seven MVPs, the Orlando's defense. They, that's right. It was, it was a slugfest. And, it will almost, you could say, if it was an outdoor game, it was going to be whoever whoever kicked the field goal was going to win the game. That's how these two defenses played in the first half. And then in the second half, as a team, you look at Jersey, they were shut out in the second half by the Predators. It's I think it's their second time being shut out in the second half this season. But you got to give credit where credit's due. That Orlando's defense was, you know, everywhere. But on the other end of it, you look at both offenses. Orlando was giving up so many chances for Jersey to win. And the same yeah. way for the Jersey. Oh, yeah. It was, I think I counted six straight possessions where it either would end up in the turnover and downs or a turnover. And when you look at the score at halftime, you go, oh, so possibly the team could get to 20 points, might win this game. Um, it was an unusual arena game nonetheless Uh, o'brien basically won the game without throwing a touchdown pass he had three rushing touchdowns (laughs) yes and orlando had a rookie kicker come in um dylan was it bruiser i think his name is um uh the name as i am looking this up because i of course i have the box sheet up here is and i quote yeah, now I'm losing on the I'm losing on the sheet. Oh no. Uh but I will get I'll get informed here in a second. Uh oh yeah, Dylan Dylan Barnas. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh I, I if I didn't pronounce that correctly, someone will call me out. I pr- and I will correct myself later. Well but he was definitely on fire. Yeah. Or he was he was hitting his stride when he was getting chances. Yes. He was perfect from extra points. Two deuces. He started off the game with a deuce. So that's a good introduction to the CF, uh, to the almost says university. He's from University of Central Florida. Uh, that's a good introduction right. to the National Arena League. And it's Orlando had a little bit of a, 
you know, a little spark in them. They just beat Jacksonville. They're they're three and th- they're now three and three. Now they put themselves in a great position this week and into the rest of the season. But honestly, when you look at this game as a whole, you got to get credit. Even though Jersey lost that first half, I would not expect this to be a slugfest of whose defense will you know break first. But in the, even in the second half, the score itself, 32 to 12. Sorry, the scoreboard does not tell you what that game should have been. That game should have been an ugly 16 to 12 final or 18 to 12 final, whatever yeah. scores, because yes, Orlando did win, but Orlando made more defensive plays in the second half. They were, you know, frustrating at Warren Smith, laughing house, couldn't get anywhere. Bevers can't get anywhere. Dangerfield couldn't get anything going. The running game wasn't there for Jersey. And you got to give credit where credit's due. Orlando's defense shut down Jersey. And they did it with a fashion that is, they'll make legendary teams like the Chicago Bears back in the day of their defenses or the, you know, the giant purple people eaters in Minnesota. Defense wins championship. And what we saw this weekend in Orlando was a championship defense. They showed out. And Kind of honestly, we've been overlooking them, Zach. They did it at Jacksonville. They showed it against Albany. And they, well, they they forgot to go play in Jersey up in Jersey. But still, they've been showing signs this season that that is a legit defense. And now they got Carolina in their man in the schedule. And you, if you're Orlando right now, you're sitting pretty. You're, you're happy. You're three and three. You just swept a homestand, which is good. You want to win your home games. Now you got to go on the road and prove it in Carolina. And but still, great game, good win, ugly game. But if you want to say the MVP, it's the kicker from University of Central Florida. And I know if I, I have to mention this, yes, we do know that you've won supposedly a national title in football, UCF. But the kicker himself had a great performance against the Jersey flight there in Orlando this over, over this past weekend. Yeah, he was de- he was definitely uh, one of the key factors as to at least giving Orlando a bit more of an oomph and consistency at the position. Now, I mean, Josh, Josh Smith, I would say, you know, he definitely had gotten his due the week prior, but, you know, it seemed like Barnos came in and even more solidified that spot that had been a trouble spot for the Predators early on in this season. Uh, and for his efforts, he won the special teams MVP for this week. Definitely was deserved for what he was for what his performance was. Uh, and I was impressed. I think they definitely have locked down that spot completely. seems like that he's pretty accurate. Definitely has the deuces down, you know, as we could tell early on, uh, that was really, that's really good. I'm glad at least Orlando has that locked down. And, you know, I will say that, yeah, I think maybe we have been overlooking Orlando's defense a little bit. Uh, they have, they put up some decent fights against some of the top competition. They haven't been really been blown out. It's just that, you know, in terms of say the competition, at least the games against Columbus and Albany, they really just did not, they just didn't have extra possessions and weren't able to keep up enough with an offense that both of them are sluggers, you know, defensively, they actually kept up with Albany pretty well and led for a good chunk of that game as well. And now you might have a, finally might have a quarterback in that position. You got Pat O'Brien. Yes. He had a bad, uh, game this past weekend but they were going through that quarterback you know you know curse uh cycle this weekend you had brian uh you had brandon hicks or brian hicks um get hurt then you had um Cicino, i can't pronounce his last name um came in two weeks ago then now O'Brien's in. now they finally got 
their quarterback in. That's going to just make them, you know, more stable there. If you have a stable quarterback in a position, especially in Orlando, and you know that you have that type of defense, you're going to win. You're going to win games. And I, I know one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but I think we have to mention this to the people out there that went to the game itself. Great attendance. 80s night looked like it rocked out. Uh, they didn't they didn't give us the attendance number, but I looked on on YouTube. Um, about four thousand fans, maybe five thousand fans were in attendance. It had a good crowd and they were loud. And I know there's yeah. a certain person out there that really appreciated. And only if we had him on the show because he's now a famous meme from this game, and now he's on meme everywhere in the <laughs> National Arena League. And that's Donnie. Uh, so oh, Donnie, for me who covered the game live on insert uh, inside the. <laughs> Walls podcast. I had the game on mute because I was watching the Sharks game, and Zach had ever told me about it recently, and I had to go back and rewatch it for notes, news and notes for the for the podcast. And I'm literally crying at halftime how Donnie is being said. I'm not bashing you guys, but uh, it's it's giving me a lot of uh, vibes from basic ball days. Uh, if you know basic balls, you know the saying. It's a bold strategy there. Let's see if it works, which actually was said in Carolina this weekend, too. So it's just a weird coincidence that you have Donnie. How about that, Donnie? Or what about this, Donnie? I just want to say to the Orlando Predators uh, announcers, you guys do a great job. You're famous now in the NAL community. In a good way, we're not bashing you. It was just entertaining. And I want to tip my hat off of the great productions you guys had this weekend and the great performance with the team and the attendance and the 89. It was a good night down in Orlando. just want to say that. I appreciate it. But still. Donnie was it's now a meme in the Neil family. So yeah. Right you are, Jim. Right you are. <laughs> oh my God. I, that that was that was cracking me up so much. I, that that's a meme now. I love I'm glad you get a little meme to from for the league now. They get we'll get another community piece like that to joke about as we move on. Now I'm waiting this week or this week or coming up here to see see another right you are Donnie come come out. Probably I don't know how many times he'll say it, but I'm expecting it now. So that, that, that was, that was fun. And 80s night, it, it looked like it was a success. They did, you know, they tried their best, of course, to not play the music over the speakers. So they didn't have the videos knocked down. Mm-hmm. They're getting better with that. They're making sure they aren't getting them, you know, they needed the whole deep, intro. Well, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, they, they're getting wiser. Yeah. We, you know, they're noticing that YouTube does not like that. So that's good. That's very good. Uh, and yeah, the crowd again, uh, if it was maybe a tick under the uh, Jacksonville game, that's probably what it was. I would say still was pretty solid. Felt like that, you know, people were definitely into it. Another good one, you know, uh, predators, like I said, predators and uh, flight definitely came out and had a defensive slug fest. Um, I will say one thing. It was a, it was basically an interception fest really in terms of turnovers. Um, I'm not completely worried about Pat O'Brien. I was worried about mainly for this game, him coming down and, you know, after a high of beating Jacksonville, the way they did, uh, that maybe that he would have a lull. So I guess this is this this is the lull. I'm not surprised by that. Um, what really shocked me was Warren Smith. I felt that I felt that the flight for all of what they had built up to get back some credibility and what I thought was a legitimate championship team. Now, again, now they it's a backslide. You know, I was really surprised at how little production there was. And Smith to me did not look comfortable for a majority of this game. Uh, it just did not like, I mean, he had a solid pocket, I thought for the most part, but it just looked like he did not look comfortable delivering to his receivers. I mean, and if you look at the statistics, I mean, 
Larry Beavers was the one that dominated at 119 yards on seven catches. I was surprised at how well that the Predators limited Dangerfield and Laughing House, that dynamic duo, from breaking out in any sense. So, I mean, they they made them uncomfortable. You know, yeah, I give them props to that. But I've just, I also am disappointed because I think, you know, as we've said in the previous show, you know, or at least off the air, Warren Smith to me is the third best quarterback, at least by name, in the NAL. So I was just, I was kind of surprised at some of the lack, somewhat lackluster performance that that offense put up, you know, and they, now it's crunch time. You have to face the two top opponents in the NAL on moving the road forward. And yeah. And now you're outside looking in because Jacksonville was able to you know, sneak by in that second game, which, you know, let's, let's look at that second game, Jim. Oh that, boy. That was uh what, what do you mean? You saying no? That's a oh boy. <laughs> I thought I'm like I'm like well, we got to look at it, Jim. <laughs> oh, do we have to really? But yeah, go on. Well, I mean, it was a win. Could be worse. You could have blown a lead that looked like it should have been a blowout. You know, definitely seems like Carolina was on the brink of having an upset, and then, mm-hmm. you know they're still in playoff contention right now. But it would have been even more so. They'd be would have been right back in the hunt if they would have pulled off that upset against Jacksonville. So uh, yeah. What, what in the world was that second half? Uh, it's, I mean, that's, seriously, that's this, this game is uh, the, <laughs> the legit reason why arena football is a four quarter game and that it comes down to the very last second um, at halftime. It looked like it was a clear one side blowout by Jacksonville. And all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard and it's a one possession game. And, you got to give credit where credit's due. James Summers came to start. He started the game over uh, uh, Castronova. And James Summers mm-hmm. used the IFL type of read option offense. And Carolina was moving the ball up and down the field. He had made a couple of good passes. Uh, got there in a score for a uh, score. I think the, but unfortunately they had field goal kicker issues. So they had to go for two a lot. Did he, then he, had, he, then he got a bum ankle during the game. And that's when Jacksonville really took, took charge early in the first half. In the second half, it was just it. Jacksonville's offense was getting stalled out. There again, turnover on downs, yeah. where they'll drive all the way down the field, and and Brandon Beer was missing field goals that he usually makes in his sleep. Um, chip shots. Yeah, and shot. and yeah. the and the traditional fourteen point swing happened in this one again, where a kickoff, you you know, just manages his way to be chilling there at the one yard line, and you got four Cobra players grabbing it onto the football. And then they were trying to run out the clock as best as they can. And unfortunately, they had to score and they took the lead. And then, honestly, all the action happened in the last minute of this game um, where Carolina came back and tied it, took the lead. And then Carolina just then just gave up a wide open bomb to Devin Wilson um, from Danny Southwick to retake the lead. And of course, last second um, touchdown. But overall, as for a Sharks fan, you're happy that you got this win because a, an ugly win is better than a bad loss or a good loss. And for Jacksonville, a win like this, because of how the schedule is set up right now and Sandy set up right now, you are currently tied or your, your win percentage, you're the fourth best team in the, in the league. And now you kind of own your own destiny now. And we'll get to that in the next, uh, in the, in, when we preview week eight, just say that the Sharks are in a position now where they control their own destiny. But in this game alike right here is Danny Southwick, honestly, if it wasn't because of Orlando's great performance, 
kind of is the offensive MVP this this week in the NAL. Uh, he did throw over 200 yards, five in, five touchdowns, one interception. He was pretty good, um, and he wasn't the reason why the Cobras came back and won. Uh, it was just a weird – it's very hard to explain these type of arena games where it's literally you, you flip the halves and all of a sudden it's like a different team. I think Carolina came out in the second sure. half knowing that this was a do-or-die thing, playoff – playoffs were on the line here so they play a little harder and Jacksonville was just going through the motions in the second half and then, then when they got a game when the game got close and tough it was like oh we actually got to get serious about this because you know it's uh we got to win if we want to make the playoffs and keep our season alive and that's how it felt but yeah it was an intriguing game as a Sharks fan I was happy with the win um but I saw some things from Carolina that haven't been I haven't seen in a while in this fight and they fought pretty hard and made it a very entertaining, very stressful end of the game. But, yes, uh, wins win for the Sharks. And for Carolina, you're still in must-win territory. You're, you're not done yet, but you're way behind eight ball now. Right. Well, we had just recently started critiquing the Cobras for looking like they had basically been down and out. And I got to give them props. I mean, I the fact that they were in a chance to – very much so win this contest if it wasn't that they just a bit better coverage and you might, you know, and you're able to pull this off, you know, that's the thing that killed me watching the end of this con of the game and seeing Devin Wilson that wide open, you know, a guy that is such a dynamic threat for the sharks have that much separation with 26 seconds left on the clock. Defending, I was like, yeah, the defending NAL, all this. Yeah. The defending NAL MVP. From 2019, you're just going to let him chill in the back of the secondary behind technically the DB, but it would be in the safety. I'm like, Danny mm-hmm. Southwick, like, two-step drop and floated it, and Devin Wilson was there. I'm like, right. what, was, what was Caroline thinking in that situation? Why are you playing prevent? Don't you don't, If you play prevent in the arena ball, you're going to lose. Well, if you play prevent in regular football, you're going to lose anyways. Prevent defense, don't win yeah. anything, and... That was just a big blow. How the momentum switched that inner that arena was getting. You know, you can feel the vibes in that arena. The Carolina was getting into it, and you choke it away. One play later, you don't force Jacksonville and Nickel Diamond down the field. Jacksonville went for the shot. It was like we're going to go for the deep shot here to see if we can get anything. If we don't, we have Nickel and Diamond, they got in the first try, and I. It's just I don't know what they were thinking on defense. It could be it, it wasn't blown covers because the DB was on him. It's just that Devin Wilson yeah. beat the DB, and yeah, it was a, that was a big even, like. Even, yeah, go ahead. Oh, is it? Well, I was saying it's even more of a double dagger when you consider Kendrick Ings almost had a game-winning TD in the final two seconds too. Correct. You know, just one of those things going right, and you're you're right back in the playoff contention somehow, some way. You're right back in it if you just have one of those things go right. At the end, you are holding all the cards, even because the fact you're over, you're winning by over a field goal. So you have the advantage in entirety. You know, even if they kick the field goal, they still have to hit the deuce on that kickoff next. So you, you still, they had all the pressure on Jacksonville right there. And in one play like that, that's, that just kills me. You know, that's a team just not trending in the right direction and one that needs a reset for next year really bad. And they need a reason just to saying they, wash wash this away. Twenty twenty two is on on the horizon. Let's get back to the drawing board. And there are also some things that happen during the week on NAL message boards and chat rooms of certain coaches coming on and exposing or expressing their opinion about a situation. I'm not going to critique the coaches right. that you know they're professional athletes. 
hard. They're, they're professionals. But I've always had an opinion that any coach, no matter what league you play in, no matter what sport you play in, and if you're a coach of a losing organization and you have the time to attack a fan because of their opinion about the team, there's something more of an issue behind the scenes that's, that needs to be talked about. Um, you, you, any league that we talk about, NAL, IFL, NFL, NBA, whatever, you see managers go out in public, start trashing people on social medias, there needs to be some issue. Needs to, you know, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about it. When you start expressing your anger on the fans, that's an issue to me. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. He did make some solid points, but I'm not saying. But I know we've been critiquing Carolina. We know they have a lot of questions. Uh, they finally got Mishan Robinson back this week for this game. Joe Powell was just placed on end season injury, season ending yeah. injury. So if you look right there, Joe Powell, Mishan Robinson, you got two of your guys in the back in the defensive backfield that missed the season. Uh, the season's not over yet for Carolina, but honestly, Casta, Castronova, and Summers—they need next season. They need to be looking for a a better quarterback upgrade. And I just feel bad for them. Um, but they were just a tough situation. But in Jacksonville, on the other hand, they they struggled in the second half. Penalties, turnovers, stalled drives. They had an issue. And if they would have lost that game, I think it could very well have been the biggest choke in Jacksonville Sharks history, about 22, 21-point def, uh, deficit of race. It would have been pretty big news, and it would, Jacksonville Sharks would have got railed by a lot of the opposing fans and analysts of the league. But it was an intriguing game, an intriguing, uh, interesting game, and it turned out to finish like a, a typical arena game. 54-52 was the final. It was exciting at the very end, um, and there were some good performances in this game. Devin Wilson basically showed up in the second half, got the game-winning uh, touchdown. But the, uh, the main guy was uh, Williamson for the Sharks. He was he showed out, and you got to give credit where credit's due, and you got to tip your hat to the Carolina defense. They did everything they needed to do in the second half to give their offense a chance to win the game. They did that, and unfortunately, they had one miss up in the end of the game that cost them all. But Carolina had a chance at the very last play of the game to win the game, and of course, Jacksonville's defense uh, stepped up. And again, Neil with another great performance, two interceptions again this week. I think that's six interceptions in three weeks. So he's a great sign-in yeah. for uh, Jacksonville. Um, so for that case, it's an interesting game. I just, you know, for I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm bashing Carolina all days. We've been we had people reach out to us about Carolina, so we look forward to having them on the show. Um, but for a Carolina Cobra fan right now, you got a lot of questions. And if you're still thinking about, oh, we can still make the playoffs, well, you're one and four for a reason. Maybe it's time to think. You know, let's you know finish the season strong, and if the playoffs magically get into grabbing range, take it. But uh, I think playoffs in the Carolina Cobra should be they're, they're far from their memory of thoughts right now, and concentrate on this week's game against Orlando. But it was a good game uh, for both teams. It was an exciting game, stressful game. I've had too many beers during that game, so that tells you how stressful it was for me. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting weekend overall, uh, Zach. Uh, you could call yeah. it the multiverse because it was a tale of two halves for both games and two games where one game you thought was going to be a slugfest turned out to be a blowout and the other game you thought was going to be a blowout turned out to be a slugfest. So interesting week in the National Arena League. 
Yeah, definitely was not definitely was not expected. I think. Uh, yeah, was I mean, like I said, especially when we we're talking Orlando and Jersey, wasn't expecting that low of a score, you know, and just Carolina getting off the mat and finally saying, "Hey, I'm not down and out. You need to. You're going to have to fight for this one." That also shocked me and made for some good competition. So, you know, good little mix up. Sometimes it's nice to have that. You know, next week we'll see if that's the case, uh, which we'll get, of course, to those games because the big boys are going to be playing. And by by the big boys, I mean Albany and Columbus are going to be back in the fold. So they'll have they'll have a little more scoring going around. You know, they, they won't be playing around. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, we do have to address some things here before we let you guys listen into our conversation with our special guest this week, as we have news and rumors are back. Had a few things come up for this week's uh, news cycle or even rumor cycle or not even news at all. If you want to talk one point, which let's get into that one piece, by the way. So, so Jim, we, we of course have been talking expansion on this show and it's, it's a topic going around the league. You know, it's being talked about by ownership as you know, they're thinking about, they want to get more teams next year and there's going to try and get teams back that were supposed to be here in 2020. Uh, there's one rumor, I guess that came up that, yep was linked to the Albany Empire. Correct. And what what were those cities, Jim? What, where are they looking, apparently? Uh, what, what was the rumor tying them to? Well, the rumor uh, came across one of the NAL message boards last read the pages saying that the Albany Empire owner, Ron Trito, uh, purchased names of potential expansion franchises and teams and locations in Louisville, and Kentucky and, and uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and Connecticut, uh, Mohegan Sun Arena. So we did some okay. interesting depths. Uh, but we're going to have Jonathan Franks tell you if this is a factual rumor or it's fake. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. Yeah, it's fake. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, um, I've we've reached out to a lot of our uh, insiders in the National Arena League. Some in the higher upper echelon of the league, they came back to us saying this is the first time they've heard of it. And if it's something like this, we will know because the, these organizations, these teams want to become work together to grow together. And we're not, and what Zach told me off air is like we're not going to have a rogue owner go out there and start buying a property without every other owner or any person in NL to know about it. So, yeah. It's interesting expansion talk, but yeah, there's it's more of a lot of rumors on the board. Um, we can't confirm it, we won't deny it, but the people we've talked to have said, yeah, it's 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 made up, it's fact. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah, the, the the only one that's he, that is confirmed that they are looking at is Pittsburgh because that was a statement from the commissioner himself, Chris Siegfried. So. Yeah, the, if ownerships, if if you have some people in in our circles that are telling us that uh, they haven't heard of it before, it's it's not there. Uh, it, that's just not there. So that one definitely was not is not real, at least that we can tell, unless we hear more at some point. So if you want to keep looking into it, cool. But right now we are not going to be running with that because there's not anything credible to it at the moment. Uh, the other piece of news though, this is definitely credible. We got confirmation from this and pretty much everyone has been talking about it. Now, Derek Ross is officially not with the Albany empire anymore. Uh, he was part of the release list for this week for the transactions in the NAL. Uh, that one. It's fact. It happened. 
this one took place. Yeah, it's absolutely true. That that definitely happened. I uh, actually texted him myself. He confirmed that he was released from the Albany Empire. Um, and there's and, a lot kind of tangled up to this that's not really confirmed or not being mentioned right now. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that to the people who listen to our podcast most likely know if they're part of the, this message board of the NAL or the Reddit pages. Uh, you, we there there could be some speculations towards this, um, but we got confirmation from Derek Ross and we got confirmation from a Albany source about this. So it is confirmed. It is factual. Um, like I've said, told Zach and what we want to tell you guys, we are we will report on real news here and real stuff about the NAL. We will not run with fake or rumors. We're going to tell you what we know, tell you what's the truth, what's the no, and this is factual. Um, so we don't know what happened or what's been what happened behind the scenes. We might dig into it. Then again, we might not. Um, but yes, big Derek Ross, the arena football legend. Uh, it's no longer with the Albany Empire. And if honestly, you can do your own digging. You might find some information about it. But yes, that is a true, uh, a true statement. That actually happened. That's legit. Yeah. Like what Johnson Frank just said. It's was, factual. <laughs> it's it's shocking too because league leading rusher. So even more so, yeah. you know the Albany the Empire are already stacked, and they intentionally released one of their best pieces of their offense. So. They, now they did. They of course filled in. Uh, Mo Ruffins is going to be in that position. Uh, they signed him for the Empire, so they have contingency plans for this team. However, it's just still kind of shocking when you know Ross is in many circles a he he he's an AFL legend in terms of records. NAL he also has records for. Um, you know, again, he was rushing. He's one. Of the, he was the best rusher in the league so far through the season. And yeah, now he's not on the team anymore. And apparently, uh, I don't think he, at least according to some of his his posts on Facebook, doesn't sound like he'll be on a NAL team any or anytime soon. So, yeah, kind of kind of done with the league this year, if completely. That's his that's his prerogative, and that's him as a player, and he has to think about him, himself, and his family. So it, it might be a joint decision, but. It's sad that he's leaving the league, but then again, it is professional football, and and in NAL, it's not like the NFL. You 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 can leave the league if you want, and he's left a legacy in the NAL. He's won championships in the NAL, and he's won championships in the arena. So, I don't think we've seen the last of Derek Ross, but he I, he won't be. From what we can tell, he won't be uh, playing in the National Arena League this season. For the remainder yeah, of this season. Sounds like he is definitely sounds like he's definitely done. Uh, at least for this year. Who knows? Who knows? It, he definitely he likes to write from what I can tell, he likes he writes his own story. So, you know, we'll we might it'll pop up again later down the line. I I imagine it, that will be the case. Uh someone that is definitely done though is our special guest this week. Uh someone that was lighting up the league first three weeks, unfortunately, uh, had a injury that really kind of led to at least a funny moment on Twitter, but uh, ended up being kind of one of the signs to push him towards retirement. But we're happy that at least we get to talk to him on the show. And he has been all around in terms of all the indoor leagues that you can think of right now. Uh, Brian Hicks is joining us for this edition of Inside the Arena. We had quite the fun conversation, Jim and I, with Brian for this for this here interview. And yeah, you'll get plenty of insight. You'll actually get a little bit too on his insight from Louisville Extreme for those that 
were following that story. Uh, the former NAL team, the former IFL team that there that he was on at the beginning of the NAL season, or at least before that. So yeah, you'll get a little bit of everything with this conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Join us today on the Inside the Walls podcast. We have a special guest and a recent retiree of the National Arena League, one that's looking to get into coaching, was the starting quarterback for your Orlando Predators until an unfortunate concussion had him sidelined. It is Brian Hicks. Brian, first off, thank you for joining the show. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to get you on for a little bit because I've been curious to talk a few things for this year for you. Obviously, retirement being on your mind right now um but how are you enjoying retirement it's it's been pretty recent still for you yeah it's pretty recent um you know I was lucky enough I guess if that's the word that the decision wasn't really made my choice you know kind of it kind of happened uh I didn't really have a choice or a say in it uh, which is probably best otherwise I'd probably be playing for as long as my legs work so you know it, it was nice that I didn't really have to make the decision it was kind of made for me uh, and since then you know it's been good I've been home uh, playing golf playing with my friends so I'm sad to leave my teammates, but you know, it's for the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I imagine for anyone to hang up the cleats, you know, any level of football you talk about, and we'll, we'll get into more of that as we move into our conversation with, with any player that me and Jim here have on the show. Uh, we always want to get kind of the backstory, at least your initial beginnings into football and just getting into arena because arena is, yeah. You know, not everyone, I would say off the bat, knows the arena game yeah. is existing out there to have as an opportunity. So, uh, you know, if you'd like, take us back to when your passions for the game first began. Like, wh when did you yeah, when did you start getting into the game, at least youth-wise, high school, you know, you name it. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in a, in a baseball family, really. My uh, granddad played Major League Baseball for 10 years. Uh, my dad and mom played baseball. So nobody in my family really played baseball. I mean, they played football. Uh, my dad used to take me to Texas A&M games as a kid. And uh, just being in that environment, I just, I don't know, something about it. I just knew this is this is what I wanted to do. Uh, and then growing up, I played pretty much every sport, football, basketball, baseball, all through high school. Um, late in my high school career, I got hurt. I missed, didn't really play quarterback my senior year. I ended up going Division three route to uh, Southwestern University and uh, ended up starting okay. four years there. So it worked out for the best. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you had a pretty good Southwestern a career at Southwestern University, at least yeah. college-wise. All-time leading passer, TD passes as well. You know, you <laughs> helped with helped with uh, at least many at least getting the program at least more respectable. We lost in yeah. 2013, so obviously many of those marks are still there, and you helped leave a good mark there before you left. Um, where where were you? You know, out of at least in terms of looking at career-wise out of college, because uh, I I stress you know arena. And it's it's wasn't at least not entirely yeah. unpopular. You know, it's at the time you were at least coming out of school. It was in that phase of like it still exists, but it wasn't at its like height and heyday like with the yeah. AFL in like the two thousands. You know, so uh, when did you like first hear about Arena or at least think of it as an option? Okay, so after that senior year of my fall, um, I was going into my spring. I was doing a uh, coaching internship at Southwestern, so I was helping coach there. And I was pretty much planning on, you know, coaching going forward. I mean, there wasn't really too many options for me to play. Um, I ended really good my senior year, so I knew I still could play and I still wanted to play, but just wasn't really any opportunities for me that I knew of. Um, I had a friend through a friend that reached out to me. There was the Syntex Calvary, and they played one year in the CIF, um, but they were right down the road for me, 30 minutes down the road in Belton, and I was still in the spring of my senior year, and they reached out and they said, hey, they need a quarterback, there's tryouts. Uh, so I looked up arena football on YouTube real quick, went to the tryouts, 
I ended up making the team. I was still doing 16 hours at school, so I was a full-time college student and trying to drive an hour every day to go to practice to play pro football. Um, I ended up starting the second game, so I I I, I dressed the first game, didn't start, started the second game, started the third game. Um, And then I kind of realized after that I can't really balance, you know, trying to graduate college and playing this. But I do like the game. And, you know, Syntex, I don't know if you know anything about Syntex, but it was was pretty messy. Uh, So we were out there just kind of feeding for ourselves. Uh, but after that, you know, I had some arena film and I knew of the game. I found out about the other leagues. And so that's kind of really what got me got me into the game. Right. And hey, Centex, uh, from the little I've been able to check up, I mean, obviously that one season, no wins. So probably it was a little tough yeah. in itself to even rough. be playing in that sense. You know, morale yeah, it was rough. kind it was, of helped. It was, we were out there. Yeah, we were out there. Just It really was a, a player coach team. We didn't really have a coach. Uh, so it didn't seem like pro football, but the game was fun. I liked the I liked the environment of the games, and uh, I was able to look. I've been I started researching and saw you know how legit the IFL looked, and you know the AFL was still around. You know, so I was like, you know what, maybe there is a place I can play uh, going forward. Right, and you're talking about that. You've been everywhere in terms of your resume yeah. and the. I mean, in terms of a football career, it's a very it's a short time frame, but in terms of the locations you know signings or potential signing spots i mean heck i'm wearing a shirt right now as we're talking yeah, about we're supposed I to be at. Of it. uh you can thank uh coach john schaefer for giving me this shirt uh, which hey, you know really really good dude honestly can't thank yeah, him he enough if he's man. listening into this yeah he's but you know you, you've been everywhere ifl cif you had of course was that start but most of your career has been ifl or really in the nal making an impact yeah. um you know between between all of your signing places do you have, do you have any particular spot or at least uh or at least favorite area you've been in that you're like man i'm definitely going to keep revisiting i mean green bay orlando uh, Columbus. as a city mm-hmm. sure or just as a good um, member you know, I loved Green Bay. Just the people were great, and the blizzard was great. Everybody knows the blizzard. Everybody, you know, it's, they've been around forever. So it was a cool, it was a cool environment. Uh, but I don't want to go back there. It was freezing cold, uh, no Mexican food. So as a place, you know, I didn't love it, but I love the people. You know, love the team. Uh, I loved Oakland, just California in general. It's hard to not like California. Um, but my favorite probably would be Orlando. You know, for the, the combo of the fans and just all the stuff you can do in Florida. Or there's so much going on in Orlando and surrounding areas. Um, so, you know, before the injury, I was, I was close to even living there uh, for a year or two and just continue to play. So I would definitely go with uh, Orlando. Nice. Well, and it's funny with Orlando um, for yourself, you have that experience at least and maybe unfortunately, yeah, two different ownership groups in a way besides Mr. Yeah. Sterling. Um, many of us in the NAL community know of 2019, at least how that ended and some of the write ups about the issues there. Um, for your time this year, it seems like things have been much better. This looks like a legitimate, like trying to rise back to what the Predators used to be. Uh, is that what you mm-hmm. would say is tr- is the case, or is it at least there's some ways they got to go for maybe steps towards that? I mean, yeah, for sure, it's a start. You know, just getting back, just making it through COVID is a accomplishment in itself. You know, for them to bring that back and everything. I mean, we pretty much had everything we needed. Uh, that season, and supposedly it's going to get even better next year. So I just, as long as they keep continuing to win, that fan base is going to keep buying back in, and you know it's going to keep growing. And they're in, they're in good hands with Coach Bennett. You know that was the main reason I ended up going there because I played with him uh, back in '19 for a couple of games, and we did pretty well even even under those circumstances. Uh, so I knew oh, sure. you know what he brings to the table. Anywhere he's going to be, you know it's going to be successful. Uh, so you know that was a big thing for getting me there. And so yeah, I definitely see them coming back. Um, Especially if they keep winning like they are, that fan base is just going to keep growing and growing. 
Yeah, I, I love what they're doing this year. Jim, Jim and I, yeah. that's what we talk on the show. We, we love, they, the jungle seems to be, it is a growing audience. It feels more, yeah. it feels more vibrant than in 2019, you know, mm-hmm. one way or another, it just feels like people want to watch the game. Uh, besides the Predators, you actually had another team you were on this year. Uh, and I, I do want to maybe not dwell on it too much, but at least I just am curious and others are curious too, because you were at one point, the starting QB for the Louisville extreme, which had a connection with the NAL. They were in the IFL. It's been kind of rumor city in terms of what happened there besides maybe the lawsuit with the field. And you were in there for at least a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Is there there anything in terms of like players being mistreated? Like how was the experience at least for the few weeks that they were there, or at least that you were able to be in the building? Yeah. You know, I was actually there a month or a month or two, you know, it seemed even longer than that. Uh, okay. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't some horror story. And, you know, 2019 Orlando was the horror story. So I got plenty of stories about, about that madness. But, uh, you know, it Sorry, wasn't too bad in Louisville. It was okay. There's some things in, in Louisville, you know, we were missing that weren't great. Uh, but that's kind of to be expected with an expansion team. I kind of knew that going in. There wasn't, it wasn't going to be perfect or ideal. Uh, but it was never to a point where it was like, you know, we might not make it through a season. Um, and even after I left, I was hearing rumors from, you know, other coaches, other players about the, them possibly folding during the season. I reached out to my teammates there and they were all everything they had been told was was uh, things were good and we're going to keep continuing as is. Uh, they kept practicing that week, I'm pretty sure, like right up until they folded. Uh, so unfortunately, I think a lot of the coaches, players, pretty much everybody involved uh, was kept in the dark. Um, but no, it wasn't bad while we were there. Um, there were some obviously spotty points, but for the most part, uh, as players, we got everything we needed. Well, I will say that's a, that's a bit of solace for myself hearing that. Cause I went to two games. I enjoyed myself. It, it's two yeah. hours from Indianapolis where I'm from. And it was really disappointing to hear, you know, and again, I can't speak completely on the lawsuit because we all, we only have certain details mm-hmm. on that, but you know, and of course, but the rumors on the players, that was what's hurt me the most. Cause players coaches fans we know the history of some teams that have unfortunately made poor decisions i mean just look at the san antonio valor just this recently in the texas series we're getting that yeah. horror story i hate hearing yeah. stories like that so it's tough uh, yeah, and it, you getting some background yeah especially i felt real especially bad myself because i brought um i was i brought one of my high school teammates up there quant shorts who were, who were high school teammates uh you know so i got yes. him up there mm-hmm. And then uh, Edgar Poe, I was real integral. Me and him, me and him are pretty close. So I pretty much brought him with me up there as well. And then um, to have them go through that, because I was the one who brought them, it felt like I was, you know, it was my fault. Uh, so I've, I even I felt bad about about putting them in that situation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm glad. I know players don't didn't get a chance to continue, but it's it's good to hear that at least from what you talk with folks that it wasn't a train wreck or at least a God awful situation okay. could have been much worse. So that's, yeah. that's good to hear. Um, uh, all right. I, I don't mean to hog the time, Jim, you can go ahead. I imagine you have some questions <laughs> for Mr. Hicks here. <laughs> you know? First off, how are you doing? Concussion wise, are you fully recovered? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, the first you know, week and a half was kind of rough. Uh, but then after that, I started feeling fine. I've been, I've worked out, played, played full basketball games, been golfing. So I've been, I've been fine since about the first week. That's the great thing about retirement. You play golf, you're not getting hit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I tell my friends when I play golf, you know, I should have done this. I should have done this when I was a kid. Hey, we all watch the PGA. I watch like, mm-hmm. Hey, I could do that. Why didn't I pick a golf ball up to separate exactly. pads? Exactly. But anyways, Brian, you played in all the 
major arena leagues, the CIF, the NAL, and the IFL, and you've played in multiple venues. The question I have for you, what is the one of the toughest venues you played in or what fan base, in your opinion, is considered hostile? And well, hostile? You, yeah. Oof. Um, so I think first one that comes to mind is definitely Jacksonville. Um, I love playing in Jacksonville, especially. I just love away games. I, it's, it's a little weird, but I love away games more than home games. Um, but Jacksonville was the one where, you know, their fans are always going to be in your ear. They're always yelling. This last game when I was warming up by the wall, they were screaming pick six hits over and over again. Uh, so, and they remember me too. So I talked to them. I made friends with the fans. And I'll even see them in Orlando. So Jacksonville was a fan base I always had, had fun with. And their, their, their environment and atmosphere is, is second to none uh, to anybody. Um, secondly, uh, my first start ever in, in big arena football was against Arizona. Um, so I think that environment is pretty, pretty hard to beat as well. Um, you know, their, their arena is amazing. Their fans are, you know, amazing. And it's just a real professional experience and environment. That's, that's actually pretty cool there, Zach. Arizona and Jacksonville, two notorious arena football teams and former arena bowl champions. Um, yep. And I'll, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not one of those fans who said that to you in the Jaguar and the Sharks game. I am the Jaguar <laughs> Sharks season no, ticket like holder. It. I like it. Uh, like Mason, it. we had Mason on the show earlier this month, and he said, are you one of those fans that cuss at me and act like a complete douche? I'm like, no, I'm usually the quiet guy that's about six rows from the field drinking beer, and every time we start losing by double scores, I buy another beer. When you came <laughs> when you came in for our home opener, I'm like, who's this Hicks guy? And oh, yeah. He's just throwing it up to Myers, and Myers is catching it all day long. I was getting oh, really aggravated. Um, then, of was. course. Yeah, and then, of course, we had Mike Faithful go down with an injury. Then we had uh, Breckenridge come in. Um, and you guys went – basically, it, the rivalry between uh, Orlando and Jacksonville has died off, especially from yeah. 2019. You brought that rivalry right back, and the Orlando Predators this season just brought the brooms on the Jacksonville yeah. Sharks and swept them. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. keeping it with the rivalries and the competition that you've played in, what league that you played in, is considered better or the competition's tougher? Is it IFL, CIF, or the NAL? Um, I think the NAL and the IFL are pretty pretty equal. Um, a lot of guys have played in both leagues. I think the, they're pretty much the same in both leagues. The parity's about the same. You know, there's the top two, two, three dogs. There's the middle guys, and there's some lower teams. Uh, but talent-wise, I think it's pretty, pretty much exactly the same. Um, I personally like the arena style of football better. Um you throw the ball all game, so I don't know why. I, I, it's obvious I like, would like that one better. I love I love arena football. I did like indoor football, but, you know, just being able to throw the ball every single play and, and the numbers you can put up in arena is pretty fun. Oh, so that's now two quarterbacks, Zach, that they prefer the N.A. Hill version over the IFL. I'm a fan it's of the easier. IFL. Yeah. The IFL is probably funner to watch, but as a quarterback, the N.A. is just – it's kind of easy to throw the ball. So it's fun to just drop back and, and drop bombs. IFL is a little harder with another DB, a lot more going on. Yeah, it's, so it's you play in the IFL with the Green Bay. Yeah, that's fascinating. Here's a question. Mm -hmm. Was the rule that a DB can blitz the quarterback in when you were playing the IFL? No, no. Only guy can blitz is the Mac, and he can only blitz through the, uh, mm. the, the A-gaps. Okay. okay, so I saw the Sugar Skulls versus Arizona a couple of weeks ago, and I literally mm -hmm. saw a DB blitz the quarterback, but enough, but both linebackers went out in coverage. I'm like, so we, we can start blitzing DBs now. That's interesting. Yeah, um, must have been, it must have been a missed call because you can't, you can't blitz off the, off the edge, so they couldn't come off the – I think they could come if there's a play – some kind of play action or if there's like a run look, they might be able to fill and come, uh, but that would be the only situation I think 
They'd be able okay. to do that. But so, you know the refs aren't the best in arena, so they might have just missed missed something. Well, yeah, <laughs> no we all agree actually have yeah, to the refs. I don't, I don't need them anymore. I mean, um, you're tired. You, you played. You <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, say, no you can dog refs, him if you want. We don't mind. Yeah, don't like, you know what? Hey, number seventeen, screw you. That wasn't an intercept. <laughs> pass interference. Um, but you you played at Columbus, Orlando, in the NAL. But mm-hmm. with your with your stay in those two cities, especially Columbus, with their history of the program. Explain your uh, describe your experience in Columbus, especially with now Mason there, who's been on and off there for a couple of years. But ex- tell us about your experience in Columbus and that organization. Uh, you know, it's pretty refreshing. I was just coming off of Orlando in 2019 when it was, you know, just a train wreck. Um, ended pretty bad, especially for me and a lot of other guys, too. Uh, but I was leaving there. I was pretty much ready to go home. Uh, I was supposed to go to Columbus originally out, out of the gate, but um, I was still uncertain if they were bringing Mason back or not, so I didn't really want to jump into that until I knew and Coach Gibson needed an answer. Uh, so I just went somewhere else. Um, but it was refreshing because, uh, you know, like you said, they've been around forever. They're, they're a professional organization. You know, they've been doing the same thing for, for so long. Got a great fan base. You know, it was nice to go in there um, and help those guys out. We went 3-0 when I got there and was able to make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a refreshing turnaround from from the up and downs we went through uh, in Orlando. And, you know, I love Coach Gibson. Coach Gibson taught me a lot in my three, four weeks there. Uh, so I learned a lot from him. He's a great, you know, arena football coach, always always has been. So I had to show some love to the Columbus fans out there. But yeah. let's track your career. It's very hard to find where you've yeah. been. So let me see if I got this correct. You started at Syntex in seventeen. Mm-hmm. Then you signed with Quad City, but didn't play. Then signed okay. with Green Bay. I could, I could add one in there. Oh. I signed with uh, Salina first. Ah, see, I couldn't oh. find that. So Salina Liberty. Yeah. I CIF signed with Salina, and then they signed, uh, and then they signed Derek Bernard. So okay. okay, so that was that in seventeen. Uh, that was eighteen. Now, so you went 18. Salina. That was, that was right before. Yeah, so I basically I didn't go to Salina. I just signed there, and then went to. Uh, and then went to uh, Quad City. So you went Salina, Quad City, Green Bay. Then your mm-hmm. tenure in the NL happened with Orlando and Columbus. Okay, then so hold 20- on. So I went – wait, wait, wait. I went to uh, – so I was in – what was the last one, Green Bay? Finished season in Green Bay 2018. I started yes. 2019 in Tucson okay. with the Sugar Skulls. Oh, and they, oh okay. uh, I was in camp with them, and then they brought in Barrett and Medlock. And so I ended up getting cut from there. That was the only time I ever got cut. And then I got cut from there, and it timed up good, so I went to the uh, NAL. See, see, even the internet doesn't help me out here, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Get but, but, out. We but appreciate in, that. But in 2020, it was mm-hmm. a hectic year for everybody, the yeah. whole world. You signed with the Oakland Panthers mm-hmm. and the Carolina Cobras in that time. Was the pandemic starting – when you decided to go to Carolina and the IFL shut his doors before the NAL, or was that just when Oakland was trying to start up, but they decided to hold back because of the COVID situation? Yeah. So I was, I was actually in Oakland. We got to be able to get to Oakland. We went through the whole camp. Um, You know, we had a lot of fun while we were there. We got all the way up to the first week of the first game. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. We were supposed to play Iowa on Saturday at home. Uh, My family was flying down. We had tickets to go to Alcatraz, all this stuff. And then I think it was like that oh, Tuesday wow. okay. or the Wednesday of that game week is when the stuff started happening. And then I remember we were at Golden Corral, a bunch of us eating, and we saw um, the NBA or the, the Warriors were shut down. And they were right across the uh, the river, the bay from us. 
And then the NBA shut down, and we were kind of like, uh, this doesn't look good. And then uh, they were saying we were going to play with no fans up until about Friday, and then Friday they canceled it. So I was in Oakland. I stayed there for a couple of weeks. Uh, they gave us a choice to stay there or go home until it gets until the, the pandemic's over. So I stayed there for about two, three weeks, thinking it was just going to be, you know, a month, a month of uh, pandemic, uh, which I was very wrong about. So I stayed there about two, three weeks, and then ended up going home. And then so I signed with Carolina going into this year, into twenty twenty one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I just had to get that situated. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. And, and and I remember just thinking, like, I was like, I'll just stay out here. It's cool. And then uh, they'll come back when it'll be a couple weeks, and then we'll be good to go. And then that turned into what a year, year and a half almost, the whole year. Oh, God. about sixteen months. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. You know, I remember I told my mom this, when I was at home. I came. I eventually came home, and I would come upstairs every day and ask my mom, like, "Is it over yet?" She was like, "No, not yet." And that lasted for. 16 months <laughs> i gotta have some fun with it but well, anyways uh right <laughs> anyway so we come to this season playing with the predators had a good start you smack the sharks in week one then you go to columbus and we started with columbus we started with columbus. oh it started that's right yeah. you start with yes. columbus yes it's a little shaky because it's your first game and they just came yeah, off of still, playing albany so we still had them on the ropes though we still we we beat ourselves mm-hmm. i know a lot of people say that we beat ourselves in that game so we we honestly felt we, we should have been three and oh um but that's uh, i'm sure everybody feels that way but the games that you played with orlando how was it how as a quarterback have a weapon like myers you know he's a, he's a special he's a special athlete and it's a funny story with him too he moved to uh he moved to Austin, Texas, uh, before the season even started, and I lived in Austin before this. And uh, he reached out to me to okay. help him get it. I worked at a sports performance gym out in Austin, so me and him had talked. And I got to help, help him get a job out there, um, get connected with some of my people out there. So we had talked six months prior, not even knowing we were going to play together. Uh, yeah, and then I was in Louisville, and then was talking to Coach Bennett, so I kind of reached out to DJ, and uh, we ended up playing together. And yeah, he was, you know, one of the best receivers I ever played with. I'd have to say I play with a lot of great receivers, and he's got to be up there. You know, he made pretty much every catch, every ball you throw up, he's gonna go find a way to get it. You know, he's still doing that. And uh, the best thing about him, you know, is uh, the kind of teammate he is. Um, he's really willing to do anything you ask him to. Never complains. Always on time. Uh, just a great dude, great teammate, and obviously great, great talent, great football player. And gritty is how I would describe him best, right there. Yeah, he's very a dog. gritty receiver. That's how you describe him. He's a dog. D O G. What a period. Oh, he dogged the secondary of the Sharks in both games. So I, I've seen he it got, twice. He got some people cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we came come down to your retirement. What was the deciding factor? We do know that you did an interview, I think, with Inside the Arena right after the game. And you tweeted on your Twitter or your Instagram said, I have no recollection of this interview. Yeah. When did this retirement happen? Was that the point in time? Um, you know, uh, going, so going a little backstory going into the season, um, I was kind of close. I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do the back and forth anymore. I wasn't going to be able to move, play somewhere, move back, find a place, find a new job. So I wasn't going to be able to do the back and forth. Uh, so going into the season, I knew if I was going to keep playing, I was going to have to live there and stay there for a couple of years. Um, and then I got to Orlando, you know, the first two games went really well. Um, I trust coach Bennett. I feel like he trusts me. I know the owners pretty well. So I was, legitimately thinking about getting a place out there, coaching high school football and continuing to play as long as I can. Um, and then, you know, the injury happened. I've had, I've had some concussions before. Um, there was some bleeding in my brain. So that was a big thing where, you know, it kind of scared everybody involved. 
And uh, it just, yeah, you yikes. know, it just it didn't it didn't make sense to keep playing at this level uh, with the opportunities I have outside of football. And so it it, it like I said earlier, it kind of made it easy for me. So I didn't have to make a decision. It's kind of like yeah, it's pretty obvious. I, I need to stop. And so I think that's what I, I think I knew all along it was going to take something like that to get me get me out of the game. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, the 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 travel is what I've always been surprised with some players. It's just it amazes me, kind of the jumping back and forth. I, I remember one one conversation I've had with actually yeah. with Joel Powell of the Carolina Cobras is it's just mm-hmm. is amazing having his family go all over the place. You know, talking about he used, he actually was trying to play yeah. in Canada for crying out loud, and uh, you know, yeah, that up that uprooting, you know, it probably does have a toll. It's hard, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I had a, I had a girlfriend the first couple of years, so that was especially hard. It's been a little easier the last year. I've been, I've been single, so I've been able to just you know up and leave whenever I want. Uh, but a lot, I'm sure a lot of people have ties. I, I know a lot of my teammates have children, uh, so it is hard to you know leave and to come back and have to find a new place or find a new job. Uh, so it does get old after after a while, and damn near impossible with with the bills you have growing up. Yeah, that's a good. Point. But at the same time, um, at the same time, arena football is real fickle, so. You can't really move somewhere and just and just expect to stay there. You, if you don't play well, you could get cut or traded, or the coach could get fired. So, to be able to move somewhere, mm-hmm. you really have to trust the organization. You really have to trust the coach, and you have to be playing well. You have to be doing well. So, it, it's a tough situation. That's true. Long term. Yeah, I mean, with arena, that's one thing. It, the gate success is really vital for uh, mm-hmm. at least continuing an organization. So, obviously, winning keeps people coming yeah. in. You know, keep, sure. obviously, getting the dollars more. You know, so and it changes I can, quick I can understand. Yeah, it changes. Yeah, I mean, quick. <laughs> hence, hence, hence Jacksonville. No offense. Yeah, I I completely understand that. Yeah, I, I will say, but, I will you know, say, Jacksonville, Jacksonville in 2019 was probably the best football team I ever played against. So I'll give you that one. Wow, they were okay. loaded. Yeah, they were pretty loaded. <laughs> loaded. 15-1. They had two starting quarterbacks on the roster, too. So Two starting quarterbacks. Not even that. The D-line was – I dreaded every Saturday against Jacksonville that year because I knew I was getting destroyed. That doesn't, tie, that doesn't speak highly of your 2019 Orlando Predators when you were facing the Sharks. You saw we, you saw how it went. I told my teammates this year, like, after after the way the Sharks played us in 2019, I, it was, that was the best win ever just because how, how bad 19 went against them every time we, we seen to play them. Yeah. They seen Sweet revenge. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it was in Jacksonville. It was, it was just perfect. Yeah, I remember. vividly. <laughs> <laughs> he was there, so he oh. would know. <laughs> it was a fun night. It was, it was a fun night. So – you you're officially retired from the players' perspective, but it's been hinted, and you've mentioned this in retire in your retirement announcement that coaching is on the path. Are you able to divulge into any of that, or what is uh what are you current what are you currently looking for? At least are you trying to be like an assistant, or what 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 options do you have? Yeah, so I already got a job. So I'll be coaching uh, okay. at a big, big old high school here in Houston. I'll be coaching quarterbacks and uh, teaching special education. Um, that was I kind of already I always knew that was what I was going to do. I already had connections, and uh, so I knew once I was done playing, it wasn't going to be really a big, a big deal to get a job. And that was kind of something that helped me help me retire a little a little easier, just because I knew um, if if I would have stayed the whole season, I wouldn't have had the time. The time frame wouldn't have matched up for me to get a coaching job because it riddle it would have run into August. And so it just kind of seemed like it happened for a reason, you know, the timing of me getting hurt. And I was still able to have time to get a job this year. Otherwise, I would have had to, you know, go work at a gym or something until next fall. 
and we have to wait a whole another year. So I think it just it worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, even if I feel like I should should have kept playing. Well, sometimes the universe sends signals, I guess. But yeah, I mean, not yeah, exactly. not that saying that bleeding in the brain is a good signal. But <laughs> so that you know. that story is actually if if you want to hear that story, that story is actually pretty funny. So I, the first thing I remember is waking up Sunday morning. So it happened Saturday night. I woke up Sunday morning um, in the hospital. Nurse walks in and she's like, uh, hey, Brian, do you remember? Uh, what's my name? And I was looked at her, never seen her before in my life. And I was just, Samantha, Jennifer, I don't, I don't know. She was like, nope, who's the president? And I like went to say it and I was like, I, I don't know. Is it Trump still? And she was like, nope. And I was like, wait, have you asked me this before? And she's like, yeah, I've been in here about five or six times. So it's just, it's crazy how the brain works. And like I said, I saw that. So I was in my bed and I pulled the interview up and I watched it. I just assumed I got knocked out, taken straight to the hospital and whatever. Uh, so I watched the interview four or five times and it sounds a lot like it's after the game. And I'm like, well, there's no way I did an interview after the game. But somehow, apparently I did and I did did pretty decent. So it was pretty, it was just weird watching that and not remembering. I was looking, looking at the clothes I was in, like who dressed me? Like how did, I didn't know how I got there. It's just I've never experienced that in my life, so it was kind of weird. But you wouldn't have been able to tell. That's that's what's crazy about that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So I, I went back in the game after. So they said I was acting normal on the sidelines and answered all the questions fine. But I was unconscious for a little bit, so I don't know why they might have put me back in. But they said I answered all the questions right. and begged to go in. So I went back in. Uh, we scored through a touchdown, and then apparently after that on the bench, I started asking a bunch of dumb questions. And wandering around and just doing weird stuff, and they were like, "Yeah, he's not—he's not good." Yeah, but glad they got you then while they had the chance, because I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom was so mad. She's like, "How did they put you back in the game?" I was like, "I don't know. You know, I'm pretty con- convincing." <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's yeah. I, I so I, I played defensive line in high school, and I've had a moment like that where I don't remember a complete second half, but I have film. Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember playing that second half of the game, but I have film of me playing. Yeah. So I'm like, that's well, was, whoever, whoever played that wasn't me because yeah, I have no That's clue. what was cool is I, was, I went back and watched the game in the hospital and, like, it was like watching a game of your own that you'd never seen. Like, I was like, oh, my God, that was a good throw. Like, oh, that play works? <laughs> so, like, it was, it was cool to see, like, watching myself from, like, a second point of view. I was getting excited. But minus <laughs> the injuries, let's go to some positive things. What is yeah. your most memorable or what moment will you most remember about your stay in arena? Oh, I don't know if there's one, honestly. I don't know if there's, there's one that sticks out. My first win was awesome. You know, it was at, it was at Green Bay. We played against Nebraska. Not through six touchdowns, mm-hmm. got player of the week. And they were really struggling. When I got there, they were 0-5. Got a brand-new coach, brand-new OC. Half the team was new. And then we were able to get a big win in a couple weeks. And then you're being mad at me, but you know that game in Jacksonville was up there. That was that was an awesome hey. night. Uh, like I said, with how Jacksonville just destroyed us in 19, you know, it was it didn't seem possible. And so to go into the atmosphere like that, and you know, and just pull out that win was was a real, real fun night for all of us. I would say those are both really good mem- good memories. Hey, great yeah. to finish at least on a high note. You know, yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. uh, winning. Nope. That's the last not game bad. I remember. So that, that that's a win. Mm-hmm. And we get, and you know what, we get least excuse, you know, between the head injury and then playing Albany, which already in its right has its own stacked roster. I mean, hey, I, but I hey, would go be, watch the be film. Go watch the film. We we had them as well as Columbus on the rope. We were we were pretty much about mm-hmm. to be up on them at halftime. Had the ball coming out, um, so we were we were we were up on them pretty much most of the first half. 
Damn. And I'll have to revisit revisit that. I actually wasn't able to watch it for the most part because it was brought it was taken down for copyright yeah, issues. That, that's the right one, after that. So one bad thing about Orlando. They gotta figure that out. My, my, they my did this family week. they did a little look, better. Looks like it. It's still yeah. Yeah, though, because they used the damn they sorry my language. They used the uh the uh video broadcast on the big screen. So they don't have actual mm-hmm. like TV cameras. So they cut to the crowd a lot and it's hard to you don't get a good look at the game. Jacksonville's broadcast is, is the best. I think everybody should follow follow that model. Man, he's putting yeah, Jacksonville on the pedestal here, man. <laughs> I mean, he's screaming to talk to Steve. Talco's fuller. My I mean, he's speaking our language. Yeah, I mean, you're, Brian, speaking our language, we're we're going to be discussing that at the end of the season, at least our our own opinions on it, or what we could, yeah. you know, help with uh, constructive criticism. So, you know, yeah. great. I good to hear from someone else. It's like, hey, let's yeah. talk about this. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, Brian, thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. It's okay. I can edit this. You go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say anything. I was going to say my family was complaining about it. So every game, they're like, they got to do something about the bra because last year they used to have just the, uh, the the PA guy was like the announcer of the game. So you just hear him screaming the whole game. And so luckily it's gotten a little better, but it's got to get a lot better, I think. That's right. I do love I do love that gentleman who does the that PA crazy, as much yeah, as I know it was. He's wild, too. He'll say some wild stuff during the game, and we'll be on the – just laughing at him just he's he's a little crazy but the jungle is kind of crazy in general it's a party in there so so i think it fits in perfect and a nice arena i wish i had oh, that best, here in jackson the best arena that might be the best arena i've ever played in probably that one it's just a little too big i think like jacksonville's is a little smaller so yeah. it, it gets louder in there and it doesn't look as empty orlando's obviously the, the magic player so it's an nba arena um but it's beautiful inside so you can't really complain not, not a doubt at all. Great place to play. Mm-hmm. You know, atmosphere is definitely getting better as you can oh, tell this year. And, week by uh, week. You know, can't have a better PA announcer. No, <laughs> so, the jungle. I, yeah, Fred's fans. Yeah, he's crazy, man. He gets loud in there. He's crazy. I uh, watch him in. I'm, I watch the game in mute usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so does my family. They they can't stand him. No offense to that guy. Right, you are, Donnie. I'm sorry, that was this week. I, I couldn't get over that. <laughs> that was even worse. No offense to that guy either. That was real bad. I almost watched that game on At least that's a meme. They got somebody there. Yeah, meme. they got somebody. I'm lost. <laughs> what What was I am, Donnie? Think... Is that? No. The, announcer kept... his the, play by could... the guy with him was named Donnie, and he kept saying his name every sentence. <laughs> Every literally every single like that was a good play, huh? Just, just rewatch the broadcast. I'm telling you, yeah. it's it's First right on cue. I was actually about, I was this close to not watching the full thing because of that that in itself. And the, the people in the comments were going crazy. It was it was really funny, and one of them started up. So they were reading the announcers were actually reading the comments during the game, and um, they were harping on Coach Ben's decision not to kick a field goal when they were down three. And I put some like it's arena football where we go, you got to score touchdowns, field goals don't do anything. And they started arguing with me on the broadcast about how they think they should take a field goal. I was like, "All right, you guys, you guys got it. I, I'm gonna trust Coach Bennett on this one." Uh, you can go watch. You can go watch. The I just played a game, guys. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I just throw the ball at people. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. But anyways, Brian, I want to say thank you for coming on. By the way, I know this yes, is becoming a crap way to end the pot of interview, but no, first okay. off, I just want to say enjoy golf. Um, don't be like me and play in the woods after your first tee shot. Um, are you, I, are you that, do. Uh, I, I'm very bad at golf, but I still play. I'm honestly better out the woods than I am out the fairway. Usually when I hit a great one in the fairway, the next shot's going to be really bad. So 
I usually do better okay. scrambling out the woods. That sounds me. That sounds like me. Yeah. Yeah, I ruin every good drive. Every good drive, I'm at the next one about 10 feet. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian. Brian, can you tell everybody out there where to find you on social or where they can connect with you or if you're doing anything with the community-wise, like camps or anything, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, there's, um, I think my Instagram is Bry, B-R-Y Hicks. Um, Twitter is Bry Hicks 14. Uh, camp wise, not really doing that just because of the football stuff. Uh, I'll be coaching full time, so I'll be pretty busy with that. Uh, but I'm gonna try to stay, you know, involved with the, you know, the arena. The arena family is a small family. I'm being, I've only played what four years. And I feel like I know everybody involved, from the players to the coaches, uh, to the fans of all different teams. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for for all the support through the years. Thank you to all the people who yelled at me and, and talked trash. And you know, I'm the I'm I'm one of the quarterbacks that'll talk right back to you. So I hope we had some fun conversations through the years. And just thank you, you know, for everything. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, that has been an interview of Brian Hicks, former quarterback of the Orlando Predators, Columbus Lions, and countless other teams. As a whole list, but I'm going to keep it the NAL here as this yeah, is an NAL podcast. With, with that, Brian, I want to say thank you again. And with that, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. And folks, that was Brian Hicks, former Orlando Predators quarterback, also, of course, from any other teams such as the Green Bay Blizzard in the IFL and was also playing for the Columbus Lions in the NAL previous to. We thank him a ton again for joining the show. Uh, really fun conversation. And, you know, we wish him the best on starting into his coaching career as well. Uh, definitely looks like he is well on his way for that, too. So, you know, again, both me and Jim can't thank him enough for being on the show. And yeah. Looking forward to seeing where he goes from here on moving forward uh, out in Texas. Well, Jim, now it's time to get into our week previews for week eight. We have all six teams playing this week. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since we yep. had all of them on the schedule. But well, it, it, happens, so. it happens when two teams decide to take two weeks off. Well, it was That's scheduled. Though. <laughs> Those are two, it's two bye yeah, weeks for Columbus and Albany. The NAL scheduling gods did not help help us there, but you know, you know it happens. But we Especially are in, a in the year week. Like this year. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a league that we've waited to start, and now they're here and they're you know off and running with a league eight week season over ten week period, and now unfortunately it seemed like it just started just a couple of days ago. Now we're in week eight, and. Honestly, with the three games we have, we also have something on top of that, and that is playoff scenarios time there, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Um, we actually have a potential right. of three teams clinching postseason berths. Three teams have a potential of clinching postseason berths, Albany, Columbus, and Orlando. So let's break down the, all the, the scenarios here before we preview the games. How does Albany get into playoffs? They win. They win their end. Now, if they lose, it, they cannot clinch because Jacksonville and Jersey will have similar records, and they'll have kind of the tiebreaker type of scenario where they keeps them alive in the postseason. If Albany loses, they cannot clinch. But if Albany wins, they're in. Columbus is very simple. They win, they're in no matter what happens against an Albany. But if they do lose to Jacksonville, if Jersey loses, Columbus is in. 
Then Orlando, remember, big one against the Jersey Flight. They are in the position where they have it, but they need one thing. They need mm-hmm. at least two things of this puzzle to happen for them to get in. They have to win, and they need a Jersey loss, or they need a win with a Jacksonville loss, or the king of the caveat, they win with both Jersey and Jacksonville losing. They're in the playoffs. What's common with these three teams? They win, they in. Because if Albany wins, Orlando wins, and Columbus wins, they're all in. All the scenarios work in their favor, and they wrap up postseason positions. Then we have three teams battling for the last spot. So, yes, playoff scenarios are in full swing here in week eight of the National Arena League. And the only thing comes next is playing the games. And who's matching up with our first game, sir? First game on the docket, we're going to go down the list based on the National Arena League website. We'll touch on the lowest of the potential qualifying playoff berths, the Orlando Predators. They will be going and traveling to take on the Carolina Cobras over in Greensboro, North Carolina, which Carolina, as we just talked about, had probably their best performance of the year, at least since the the early beginnings, uh, one that looked like they should have won. Uh, Definitely could be a potential game that, you know, Orlando roughs outing against the Jersey flight. Uh, Carolina at least might have a bit of juice after coming close last week. So, uh, you know, could be a trap game. I would say this could be a trap for Orlando, especially if they're trying to get a clinch and just be in and ready to go for the playoffs now, as of this week, uh, Jim, how do you look at this? I mean, Castronova did have a bit better of a performance, uh, looked at least second half of the sharks game. Like he was a little more confident, still had some pocket management issues, but, if, if, if what I have to say, I mean, he looked like he was a little bit re-energized. Could be possible against uh, Orlando here, even with a tougher defense coming into the town. Man, that's tough to say, really. Um, Orlando's defense, what they showed over the last couple of weeks, they're a different animal. Well, like we said, we overlooked them. I look at Carolina. Jacksonville's defense is not as aggressive as Orlando's defense is. Problem with Carolina, they haven't – we've seen it last week at points, especially in the first half, where they'll go on stretches where they can't move the football at all. If you do that against Orlando's Orlando period with that defense, you're going to see another one-sided, lopsided score. But or Carolina's defense is not Jersey's defense. But what you said about uh, Castronova finding his itch, he did find his itch. He made some good plays against Jacksonville. You're playing up against, I think, a more – not a better defense. You're playing against a more aggressive defense in Orlando. And they're at home. It's the last home game for them of the season. So, I think they'll pack the building, get you know, get excited, try to, you know, win this one for the for the home crowd and trying to keep alive. Because if you win for Carolina, you, you ruin – you spoil Orlando's party. And depending on how everything else around in the league happens – you might put yourself in a position next week where you can be the team that sneaks into the playoffs. So there's good potential, but do I see it? Ah, man, I, I really want to pull off to say the upset here, but I just look at the defense performance that Orlando's put on the last two weeks, and I just can't unsee that. And uh, I think O'Brien, yeah, O'Brien had, didn't have a good game last week, but again, Jersey's defense is pretty dang good. And, and crap, he had three rushing touchdowns. He was the winning factor. And, but right now, my gut feeling is saying that Orlando has this game. And I think Carolina does fight like they did against Jacksonville. But I still see a game where 
Orlando wins it like 54 to 38 type of scenario. Um, I just have that. I just see it. I just, for me, there's still me so many questions in that Carolina team there that don't want me, doesn't want me to lean towards picking Carolina. Um, but they need to get, you know, they need to get Ingles and they need to get BJ Bun the ball, get your weapons, the ball in Carolina. And if you're, or if you're Orlando, do what you did against New Jersey and you'll win the game. And if Orion throws a couple of touchdown passes, you're going to win the game pretty comfortably. But yeah, I'm, I'm picking Orlando here. I, there's not enough on Carolina's side that makes me sign uh, to lean that way. But yeah, I got, I got the Predators here, the big road win to uh, secure themselves a playoff spot, in my opinion. Yeah. Patrick O'Brien, I just want to see at least a week six performance. Maybe even half that, just close to it. You know, they have they have all the intangibles now. I think with you know again with Bar- with Barna- Barnos coming in and being stabilizing towards that kicking position, actually probably the best kicker they've had so far. No no offense to Josh Smith, but you know Barnos at least he looked really crisp. So you are now locked down. I think in all three phases of the game to where you have at least stable play now, and you don't have to worry about that. I mean, the Predators have all the tools to defeat Carolina pretty. I would say pretty handily, you know, offensively, as long as O'Brien is collected in the pocket and can find either DJ Myers or Prince Chanel or Donovan raspberry, all three of them, which are solid to excellent receivers in that receiving core. Uh, Shinola, by the way, had a solid game against the flight. That That's one person I'll give a shout out to right now. Uh, Myers, you know, definitely has been just excellent all year. No, no offense, but Shinola definitely showed out too after being a recent signing you know, the receiving core alone, they have talents, you know, obviously Desmond Maxwell has been a, has been a excellent running back in terms of arena uh, has been, I would say overshined by what Ross had been doing at the time for the empire. Uh, they have the tools, you know, you just got to come out and play a lot more crisp, especially for a team that has ravaged secondary wise this season and injury wise across the roster. They have the tools to beat Carolina and can lock and to lock down a playoff spot at least for this year. And, you know, obviously the matchups later on, they can get that. Uh, Give me Orlando. They'll come into the snake pit. Uh, They will spoil the season season finale for the Cobras in probably a, I'm going to say 48 to 38 affair. It'll be maybe a little low scoring. I I think, I think O'Brien, you'll see not, I I don't think they'll get to 50. I think they'll just finish under it, but it'll, it'll still be, they'll win to where it's handily enough in an arena sense uh, in this case. Moving on to game two, the flight will visit the Empire. Albany had taken two weeks off for bye weeks, but they have increased seating capacity thanks to that. Uh, should be a much bigger crowd for this Empire contest. I think they're having, a, I understand they're having a block party for that one as well. Uh, sounds like it's getting more and more opened up and I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, I think, either way. So it's going to be rowdier as the playoffs come to at least a little bit closer here. Flight coming off a disappointing game against the Predators in the jungle at Amway Center, uh, really underperforming for the most part. And now they have to face a team that shut them down to 25 points earlier this season. Jim, I mean, what are some keys, if any, for the flight to pull this off? against a at least arguably one of if not the best team in the nal right now first off the flight need to forget about last week get that out of your mind that game's last week doesn't happen spin with your imagination you get the big dogs coming up the next couple of weeks with a bye week in there you beat albany 
yet last week that didn't happen. What you do is you beat Albany, you, you, you help Columbus and Orlando, but you don't, you know, you help your stance to get back in the race. But if you are Jersey, Warren Smith needs to get Laughing House, needs to get Dangerfield, needs to get Beavers the ball. Get out of your hands fast and move the ball down the field because Albany has been off for two weeks. They've been rested for two weeks. Yes, they don't have Derrick Ross, but they still have Tommy Grady. They still have weapons on that offense. And they're at home. For Albany, win and they're in type of mentality. If you're Jersey, you want to be the spoiler. The thing is, is that when they met each other earlier in the year in, in New Jersey, the first half was, okay, this looks like it's going to just be a slugfest and it turned out to be a comfortable win for the Empire. If the Empire wants to win this game, you have to find a way to make your defense play like Orlando did against them, but find a way to keep Warren Smith running. Because one thing I've noticed against him or against Orlando, he was too busy running out of the pocket. He wasn't getting, uh, getting good reads, and he was getting the ball out of there at the wrong time. He was throwing double coverage, and that, that's just credit to the, the good defense in Orlando. But for the for my opinion, I'll look at this game. The key factor in this game is Dangerfield and Laughing House for the the flight. If they're not ha- if they have the same type of performance they did against the uh, against the Predators, this is going to be not just a thirty two to twelve score. This is going to be a you know fifty six to you know twenty one. It's going to be a one sided affair. For some odd reason about Jersey, what a difference two weeks makes. Two weeks ago, we thought they were, you know, they got back in it. They're legit. They got the two and three record. The offense is clicking. They look like they were, you know, they made that turn tour being a very competitive team in the NAL. And they had the offense to do it, dude. They had the defense to do it. They just, they, it was last week just a bad week. Do I see this game being an upset? I could possibly see it. They have the talent to do so. That roster is loaded for an arena uh, team. Problem is, you look on the other side of the, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You got a loaded roster in Empire. But I look at this off game right off the bat, man. And if, if Laughing House and Dangerfield are not having good games, Jersey's not winning this game because Tommy Grady is too good of a quarterback on the other side to uh, contain for four quarters. Um, I still don't know how Danny Southwick did it here in Jacksonville. But, yeah, you, you're not going to keep the Empire down big. And for Jersey, your season's not on the line. But an upset against Albany will put you in a better position. But uh, I don't see it. And I just can't count out Tommy Grady with two weeks off. And, yeah, so give me the uh, Empire by two scores, in my opinion. Ooh, yeah. This will be tough for the flight. You know, as much as you can try and forget last week, that that's what's going to come to mind. I mean, they, they, they got smacked by, by the Empire. Early, earlier this season and in, in week two, like smacked. You lose by you lose by thirty five. That that's called getting smacked, routed, blown out. Uh, it was not pretty. You know that that was the game that really that one, and then you know the back to back week playing Columbus and only having fifteen that really made us think, wow, uh, this team is uh, looking pretty ugly. But you know, obviously they restored some faith, had that lackluster performance against Orlando, and now they get to try again. You know, my thing with the flight is a you got to have your best performance of the year this this week, and then do it again next week if you're going to have mm-hmm. your chance to run the table and get back into the playoff seating that you have. Uh, secondly, you better hope Albany has a similar 
mistake prone affair that they did with Jack that did in the shark tank uh, against Jacksonville earlier this season, uh, because that is really, I think what you're going to be counting on that, that week five performance against Jacksonville, they had a lot of mistakes. They really, there were times that they should have pulled away against the sharks that they allowed themselves to kind of allow the sharks to hang into it. So for the flight, you know, this better be one of your best defensive performances and you better rattle Grady and company a little bit and get them off their game because otherwise, you know, even without Derek Ross, Darius Prince made Dwayne Hollis look like a fool in week two. I mean, we're talking Dwayne Hollis is one of the better arena corners from the AFL days and now in the NAL. So he made him look like a fool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming Hollis has a chip on his shoulder to make sure the Prince does not do that again. And credit, that's just Prince. I mean, again, Malachi Jones has had time to heal up. He's going to be playing this game too. Barnett has also been a force as well as a, for a second or third option. You got to hope there's mistakes and that you can get opportunities when needed. Otherwise, this is what I'm expecting is that Albany's going to run away with this game. Uh, I think it is indeed going to be a one to two score affair, something along the lines of maybe like, uh, I would say like a 55 to 40 type of contest. And I think Jersey's going to be on the brink is what's going to happen. They really got a back end of a schedule that is loaded with the two is loaded with the top tier talent in this league right now. Uh, and it's going to be hard for them to pull this off, but this is their, this is their last chance. Really? You got to win. It, this is the most important game for your season right now is against the Albany empire, but I don't think they'll pull it off. Just my, my, my honest opinion, you know, and the team that they're trying to catch up to is the Jacksonville Sharks, who, by the way, they get their second matchup with the Columbus Lions this season in that heated rivalry. This time, though, A, the Columbus Lions are going to the Shark Tank. B, the Lions will have to deal with Danny Southwick. For those that remember that first contest that the Lions had against the Sharks back in week four, that was between two different quarterbacks. You had Breckenridge and Kagi trying to figure out which one was able to reel in the offense. It was after that week that Danny Southwick was brought in to stabilize the offense. So you have a quarterback that I think has gotten the grasp of Jacksonville a lot more against a Columbus team that to me is the most well-rounded unit or well-rounded roster in the NAL. And still, in my opinion, is the best team in the NAL right now, unless I see something change. Uh, Jim, what does Jacksonville need here to pull off an upset and to pretty much solidify their spot right now at the four seed, or at least to get it to where it's more likely that they'll finish in that four seed or even get a three. Uh, go out there and play like you did against Albany a couple of weeks ago. You're home. You're in your own building. You're going to have your own fans on your side. And like we stated before multiple times on this program is that Jacksonville, for some odd reason, no matter if they're the best team in the league or the best team in the league, they, um, are the worst team in the league or the best team in the league, they are, when they're at home, there's something about them that they're not going to be an easy out. This, even though Columbus, in my opinion, has the better roster, has the better quarterback, has the better defense, I can't count out the Sharks. Danny Southwick and the Sharks, when they did get to Albany, was still, it still stuns me. Kind of, you know, they went haywire against Orlando the other day or the other week. But kind of responded against Carolina, kind of fell asleep. But Danny, even though Danny Southwick has stabilized the offense, there are still parts of each and every game where this offense 
is a no show. And you can't do that against Mason Espinoza. You can't do that against Outlaw. You can't do that against the Loach and the Columbus Lions because you give Mason Espinosa an extra possession or two, they're going to score touchdowns on you. And if you do that to a team like Columbus, you're going to be down by three scores, even though you only had the ball maybe once, because what Mason said in his interview a couple of weeks ago with us is that they go for two a lot. They did sign a kicker this weekend or this week. So they might be chance they can actually go for the extra points and some deuces. So that gives a, a power, powerful offense of Columbus a chance. Um, but shark tank, a rivalry reborn again in Jacksonville. There's going to be uh, Shark Arena is the theme in Jacksonville, so you're going to have a lot of bunch of drunk uh, Florida boys at the game. Um, but it's it's an intriguing game. But for me, as a fan who's you know a big supporter of this organization, I can't count the Sharks out in this game because of the building. Um, they have also the talent. We've we've seen we said a couple weeks ago they went toe to toe with Albany, and that's the reason why when you look at all the preseason power rankings, they were always one and two. Albany and Jacksonville. Jacksonville has the roster. They just had went through Mike Faithful getting injured and went through Connor Kagey and uh, uh, broker uh, Rhetoric Brokerage or Burger Reg. I forgot his name. I apologize. I need to look at the roster mm-hmm. again. Um, but Jacksonville finally has a stable quarterback back there, even though it's the 40 year old vet, he's doing it. Um, but honestly, I love my sharks. And you know what? I'm going to do it, man. You know what? Let's do it red and black all day. Let's go, Sharks. But you guys are going to lose by seven. Columbus wins this. <laughs> all right. All right. I was about ready to be that guy when we picked Albany and Jacksonville that I'm going to get upset again because you picked the Sharks. <laughs> Look, I'm <laughs> if Jacksonville can do it, they have the there is talent on this roster that they can pull this upset off. I mean, we've, we've seen the flashes. It's just that they so far, even with Southwick anchoring the offense, there have been times it's like, it's kind of stop and start on the offensive side. It gives opportunities for whoever's playing them to get back in the game. You know, I mean, even if you talk that Albany contest, Albany was on the verge of running away mainly because there were times that Jacksonville just couldn't execute on their drives. And there were times Albany just, you know, for example, the safety, that safety, in my opinion, is the main reason why Jacksonville won in week five, because that safety, if if that doesn't happen, I think Albany drives down the field and that game turns out to be a normal one to two score finish. Otherwise, you don't get that ending. So Jacksonville has a lot of credit for at least sticking in tough and, you know, taking opportunities when they can. But they have also had stalls at times, even Carolina last week. They're, they're, one of the main reasons that Carolina was in the driver's seat and in my opinion, really should have won that contest. I thought for the way that Jacksonville played was because Jacksonville kept having drives stall out and had miscues in that second half. Mm -hmm. That's what happened against Orlando too. They had miscues that led to them not being able to get the advantage. They had times in Orlando, they should have won as well. Yeah. Back in week, back in week six. So, you know, there's been opportunities. Jacksonville is there for Jacksonville. Jacksonville, no matter, no Mm -hmm. matter, uh, Every game they've played, Albany, every game they played besides the first game against Columbus and Columbus, Jacksonville has had a chance to win. If you look at yes. if you look at the Jacksonville's two and three record, that record could be very easily right now at at four, at four and one. Very easily can be that. It could. Um, it could. It's just that Jacksonville went through a couple of quarterback issues. Uh, uh, Jacksonville had their whole 
defensive backfield gone with injuries. Um, yeah. Take it back. They not four and one, three and two. They they weren't going to beat Orlando in that first week. That was that scoreboard should have been one side the other way. They weren't stopping uh, Brian Hicks and uh, Myers. They weren't stopping DJ and Brian. Um, but still, three and two is better than two and three. But the Albany game, the second game in Orlando and, and Carolina, they could very well be three and two. They, in every single game, you see points in the, the Sharks where they look like they're going to take the game, control the game, and pull away. And all of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard and go, well, 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 it's the cardiac cactus again. Let's go. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah. – this this game right here, Columbus, um, is there a path that Jacksonville can pull off the upset? Of course. They've been in every single game they've played so oh, far yeah. this year. And it's a rivalry. One thing about rivalries, ladies and gentlemen, no matter where it's played at, you throw the record out the book uh, because you have no idea what's going to happen in that game. And for me, I love the Sharks. I'm supporter of the Sharks. I just look over the other sideline and I see Deloach. I see – Outlaw, and I see Mason, and I see Crawford in the backfield. I, I go, that's a lot of weapons on that side of the ball, and a defense that's been kind of a show, a no show at times. Uh, but if Jacksonville comes out like they did against Albany, then might be there might be a chance. But I just think Albany, uh, excuse me, I think Columbus is going to get two to three score to lead on us, like two to three possessions. Jacksonville will manage a way to make it very competitive. Uh, to get within one possession. I just don't think they have enough gas. But then again, uh, Mason Espinosa has asked many times he wants to meet Danny Southwick. He's going to get this chance this week. And it would be <laughs> it'd be nice if old Danny Southwick pulls off an upset against Mason. But I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to still stick with my seven-point lead. But, yeah, what, what you were saying about how Jackson was very competitive in every game, that's true. They are. And also, I'm not going to critique the coach here. He's He's made some interesting calls. Um, and the challenge, dude, just challenge stuff that you don't think needs to be challenged. Just challenge it for uh, God's sakes. But anyways, I, I, I like Columbus, no matter what my opinion is not going to change. Now, next week I may come up here and do what I did last week. Like be shocked that they won, but, um, yeah, Columbus is by like what you said. I think they are the best team in the league, even though they're tied record with yeah. Albany and, and the short notice of playing them in week one. Yeah. I, I, I think they are the best team in the league. And, and Columbus right now, their big fans are New Jersey. If they beat Jersey, if Jersey beats Albany, they get the number – they're the first-place team in the league, and they get you know a chance to clinch home field next week when they play Albany. So, yeah, that's going to be an intriguing weekend. But, yeah, I, I can't – I'm a fan of the Sharks. I love the Sharks. I love the story of Danny Southwick. Um, hopefully he comes on the podcast. I would love to talk about his career and all the destinations he's been. Um, but I, I got to side with Columbus right here in this game, unfortunately. Okay, Columbus in a seven-point win, mainly because I can't do two scores because the Shark Tank will have its way, and it is a presence to uh, any arena team in the NAL. Yep. So it's definitely going to have its way, but the, the Lions are too much. They, they are right now the best, and uh, they are playing at their best football at the moment. Who knows? Maybe bye week gives them mistakes Fair. of just being off for two weeks, but you know, I don't see it. I just don't. Very true. And also, uh, but, Mason Mason has said in an interview, Brian Hicks has said in an interview, the toughest places they've ever played in their career has been Jacksonville. They love playing there, so you expect some big-time games in Jacksonville. And I expect that from Mason, honestly. Sorry that I cut you off, mm-hmm. by the way, but I had to get That's that fine. Hicks, I just <laughs> – I still find it funny that Hicks in that in that conversation said that he enjoys playing away games. 
just <laughs> to me that's that's hilarious and i mean if you win it's a good feeling because it's silent but I, I just still find that funny, but, it, but it's a presence. Yeah. Well, one thing we, I love know. about Mason's, uh, yeah. One thing I loved about, excuse me, uh, Hicks's interview is that the two best places he've ever played in that he enjoys playing in are road games at both historical arena football teams, the Jacksonville Sharks and the uh, Arizona Rattlers in the IFL. But AFL, yeah. right, that just shows you that fans go out and support your teams, period. Orlando, we know that you have a savage fan base. When you guys are winning, you're some of the most savages fans in all of arena sports. You have a history of that, especially back in the old arena leagues. Albany, I guarantee they have them, their fans, but they don't have the history that is the Jacksonville Sharks or that is the Orlando Predators or Columbus, for that matter. Go out and support your teams. Players, they love going to these games. You don't know how, like what Hicks said and what Mason said, they love road games. They love to shut up people on the road games. It gives them passion. The people that are there that enjoy to watch them play, that's, that's their dream is playing against big crowds. Jacksonville is notorious for having a loud crowd. Orlando has a notorious for a loud crowd. And I guarantee you in the IFL, there's a few stadiums out there. So I'm just saying this. Uh, go out there and support your local team, no matter if it's CIF, no matter if it's the IFL, no matter if it's the NAL. Go out there and support your team. Go support these organizations because we did see – Unfortunately, not NAL news related. We did see another uh, indoor league team uh, close its operations this week in this, uh, in Texas in the San Antonio Valor. As people who cover the leagues or cover the NAL, we hate to see teams do that. So go out there, support your teams, go hang out with these guys. They're humans. They're, they, they're community people. They'll love your support. Do it because I am. Even though I bought my tickets already, <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, I'll be there live in Jacksonville. I'm not going to give you play-by-play because I might get escorted out of the building, but you will get some good videos from me on locations for the Columbus Lions and the Jackson Shark game here this weekend. Yep, I'll get my I'll get my NAL fix someday. As you know, I'm in Indianapolis, so you know, just got to travel out. Or the league puts one in Indianapolis. Hey, you know, there, there's there's opportunities. Go move west, young man. Go to the Midwest. Indianapolis will gladly take a, take a team. I imagine if we promote it enough, but Hey, I'll make it, I'll make my way out, but support arena arenas. Arena is great. It's uh, it's definitely one of the best forms of football out there. It just fun in general. And if you have a chance to, uh, if you're any of the, in any of these markets, please, I recommend you go check out your team or if you're already going, check it out, tell people about it, you know, spread the word and Hey, playoffs are coming up. So I expect those arenas to be crowded even more for those four teams to qualify. Just saying needs to happen you know i'm looking looking for the playoffs here right around the corner right around the corner yeah it's amazing three weeks away playoffs are here and even though Mm -hmm. that we're week eight men and call and care we talked about carolina and their issue in their situation technically no one can be eliminated from the playoffs this week so we will be talking about playoff type of scenarios next week as well um so if things go the full the way that we think are going to fold this week Next week, we might have the potential where New Jersey or Jacksonville can clinch a postseason berth. Possibly Carolina gets back in the image, pitch an image where we have two teams with three teams with similar records. So it'll be an intriguing finish of the season. So playoff scenarios are in full swing. The season's coming down to end. Stinks that it's not 16 a week, but you know what? Eight week seasons are fine because you get it going and it's real rough from the start. And we're three weeks away. And we're talking about playoffs here, baby. Playoffs. And it all starts playoffs. here this week here 
in week eight of the National Arena League. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Inside the Walls podcast. For Jim Mernier, I'm Zach Kyleman saying so long. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Really appreciating the support. If you want to support the the show even more, please head over to our social medias. That is at In Walls Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Again, that is at In Walls Podcast. And you can follow us along on any of those social medias. We post on all of them. And we got some exciting votes, comments, MVP voting in particular, and also game of the week votes too. So you want to participate, help us uh, at least follow the teams and at least the people that you want to hear from. I recommend you go and check us out there. Until next time, folks, remember one thing. Hey, Donnie, don't be a jack in the box. <laughs> I love that twist this week, Jim. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Right you are, Donnie.